Well, I, I've got a few things that I want to get into. Um, some, first of all, uh, I am thankful for all of you, and I have missed you dearly. It's been almost over four months, I think, uh, since we last met in person as a congregation. And so I have been longing to see you face-to-face, and I know that, that many of us have been longing to see one another face-to-face, and, and uh, this has been a challenging season for men, a number of reasons, but, but COVID-19 has certainly been one of the big ones. And so I, I'm, I'm missing you, and I am excited to be able to say that we are going to be meeting once again in person. We, we got the okay from Loudoun County Public Schools to begin to assemble once again at Dominion High School. And so we are relaunching our service August 2nd at 10 a.m. August 2nd at 10 a.m. Now, there are going to be some changes to how we do things in order to make sure that the service is safe, that it's uh, comfortable for those who are involved, and we will still do our live stream. So if you don't feel a level of comfort at this point, that I understand, and you can still, uh, you'll still be able to watch our service online and, and participate in that way. But if you are interested in, in taking part, we are going to open up uh, reservations um, starting after this service. Now, you might ask, why do we need to do reservations? Well, we want to just make sure that we know who's there and we can care for you well. Um, and, and we also want to be able to account for the number of people because uh, in order to accommodate the, the requirements that have been placed upon us, we just want to make sure that we have the right number of people in the, in the room. So check out our website, gracecub.org slash sterling, and you can register there. You can RSVP there. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Put it on your calendar, August 2nd. Uh, and pray towards the end that God would be honored and glorified in that moment. Uh, secondly, and uh, more somberly, I wanted to to communicate a bit about the incident that happened yesterday. If you're not aware, uh, yesterday at our Chantilly campus, uh, we were have we were holding a, a, a just a standard life in the spirit class in person at our Chantilly location, and. During, during the class, one of the members, one of the participants, uh, tried to attack one of our, our pastors and um, actually injured one of our pastors, uh, Pastor Sean Clemens. And, but thanks to the, the valiant and courageous efforts of, of two other individuals in the, in the um, classroom, they were actually able to stop the assailant from, from hurting more people. Uh, there were, so in all, it was Pastor Sean Clemens, uh, two individuals, one of whom was our Fairfax County Chief of Police, Chief Wart Rossler, and uh, an amazing man of God, put there for just a time as this, in that moment, by the grace of God. He, he and this other individual uh, were able to stop the assailant and prevent the assailant from, from hurting anyone else. And so we're thankful for that, and no one involved uh, received any any um, serious injuries, everyone's been able to be cared for, um, and so I'm thankful for that. That being said, I understand that, that many of you are, are close to Pastor Sean, and, and, and when a thing like this happens, um, when something happens in our church, you, you have to wrestle with the fact that, that things are not necessarily as, as comfortable and as safe as you felt, and, and the question begins to come up, how how do I live in, in this environment? How do I combat fear in this environment? What should I do? I mean, th- many of us are, are struggling with a lot of questions of whys and whats and hows and what should I have done and, and where should I have gone and, and, and we're trying to, to process what, what is uh, an unexpected 
and really a kind of situation that should never have happened. How do I process this? How do I, how do I go to church now? How do I, how do I feel a level of, of, of faith as opposed to fear? How do I combat fear in our lives? Um, fear of harm, fear of death, fear of, of, of anything, really. And so I wanted to look at a text that speaks to this, where Jesus speaks directly to fear um, and, and ha- explains to us really how we can overcome fear in our own lives. So I'm going to read it out of Matthew chapter 10, verses 26 through 33. Um, you can read along with me. Matthew chapter 10, verses 26 through 33. says this, So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim in the housetops. And do not fear those who will kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall from the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, for you are more valuable than many sparrows." So every, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, we, we love you and we trust you, but in moments like this, our trust and our comfort and our confidence in you is challenged, is tested. And Lord, I pray that in this moment you would meet us by your spirit and you would comfort us, that you would bring peace and comfort to us, that you would help us to remember that you are sovereign in both good times and bad times, that you are in control and you are Lord over all whenever we come to you, that, that you are good and you are God, that you are good and you are great no matter what the circumstance. And God, I pray that we would be able to rest in you, to have an eternal perspective that allows us to stand firm in our faith, to stand with confidence, not to disregard or ignore difficult and painful and dangerous circumstances at times, but to not be uh, managed or ruled by those circumstances, Lord. God, would you help us to be a people who are so uh, full of your vision, so able to see your purposes, so committed to to your goals, Lord, that we are not uh, swayed by fear. And we pray these things in in the name of your precious Son who who lived a life uh, uh, overcoming any sort of idea of fear, defeating death on the cross so that we might live well. We pray that you would would meet us in his name. Amen. So, here we have a passage where Jesus directs, directly addresses the issue of fear. And he speaks really to us. If we were to go back and see what he, was, he had been teaching about before that, he, he speaks directly to the, the issue of prose, uh, not prosecution, persecution. He says in verse 16, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in the synagogues, and you will be dragged out before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you'll speak or what you'll say, for what, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour, for it is not for you to speak, 
but the Holy Spirit, your father, is speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and father to his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they've called the master of the house Beelzebub or, or Satan, how much more will they malign those, who, those of his house? So what Jesus is saying in the previous section is that persecution is going to come. Things are going to come that will be fearful and, and cause pain and, and suffering and, and even physical harm. He talks about floggings and, and death, and he talks about being dragged out before governors. And, and when we reflect on yesterday, I mean, that was a real attack on, on, uh, on Christ's purpose, Christ's people. This was not just uh, an unfortunate event. This was not just a, um, something that was inconvenient. This, this had a moral aspect to it. And, and Jesus speaks to things like that and says that these types of things will come. And, and in those moments, um, we need to be wary of the fact that God is with us in the midst of these things. This is not, we don't read these types of texts often. We want to read the texts that say, you know, God is with you. He loves you. He cares about you. He's, he's fixed all things. We are victors in Christ. And those things are true. But we are victors in Christ in the midst of a, of a world and of a, a, a fallen world where, where God is, is bringing about his kingdom in, in a situation where, where there are things and, and entities that, that push against him push against his will, push against his, his plan and purpose. Persecution, Jesus says, will come. So how do we overcome fear in the midst of this reality? I think there are four things that we can see in, in this text. We can overcome fear with an internal perspective. We can overcome fear with a healthy awe of God. We can overcome fear with an understanding of God's love for us. Three points, not four, sorry. We can overcome fear with an eternal perspective, a healthy awe for God, and an understanding of God's love for you and me. First of all, we can overcome fear with an eternal perspective. Look at verse 26 and 7 four with me. Have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear, in the ha- uh, you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Jesus is saying there that you don't need to have any fear of them because this gospel message that you're preaching, this ministry that you're living out, this purpose that you're living out that God has given you, it, it's going to become plain at some point that you were in the right, that you were doing the right thing. Family, as you live your life toward God, there are gonna be moments where, where your life, your style of living, your, your testimony, the things that you say to your coworkers and friends, the gospel message that you preach, is going to be called into question by those in the world. They're going to say, that's ridiculous, that's silly, that's foolishness. But Jesus says, if you have an eternal perspective that understands that we live in a time where there will be an end, there will be a second coming of Christ, there will be a moment where God, he evens the playing fields and and he he brings uh, the reality of his judgment down. He says, don't have any fear of them because nothing is covered that will not be revealed. Nothing is covered that will not be revealed. You might feel in this moment 
God, I don't, I don't know. I mean, no one seems to, to understand what's going on in my life. No one seems to be able to relate to, to what I'm saying. My, in my family, n- no one seems to, to understand the gospel and, and they think I'm foolish for, for following this life. Or, or you know, it, it would seem to be a lot easier if I just, I, I, I kind of laid low. I, I didn't say I trusted in Jesus. If I, if I kind of uh, got into the shadows and, and felt like, acted like, like God was not necessarily the center of my life because that brings a lot of attention to me. He says, no, have no fear of these people, these situations, these circumstances, for nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. And instead, he says, what I tell you in dark, say in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Now he was speaking to his disciples and, and his disciples didn't necessarily even know that they were gonna experience some serious persecution, but he was, he was preparing them. He's saying, I'm saying some things about the kingdom. I'm telling you about the, what the kingdom of God is going to look like. And he's saying, what I tell you, you need to take out into the world and, and preach and share with, without any sense of fear. Family, God has called us to a lifestyle of not fear, but of faith. Not of, of worrying about what's gonna happen to us, but trusting that we have an eternal God and we, we can live life with an eternal perspective. But not only that, he goes on and he talks about how we ought to not fear the world, but fear the God of the world. Look at verse um, 28 with me. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Again, Jesus wants to orient the disciples around an eternal perspective. And the eternal perspective is that our greatest issue, our greatest concern is not whether or not we are hurt or even we experience death in this moment. It's what is to come of our relationship with God. Our our deepest issue, our eternal concern, is whether or not we are restored and redeemed and and reconnected with God, or or we are still enemies of God. And in in Ephesians, Paul talks about the the fact that before Christ, we are strangers and aliens and, and enemies of God, dead in our trespasses and sins, separated from from the promises of God. In Christ, we receive these things, and in Christ, we have a relationship with God, and in Christ, we have an eternal uh, hope that we will, we will live in fellowship with God and, and live eternally with Him. But if we, we don't have that relationship, if we don't have that eternal perspective that says, I'm going to pursue reconciliation with my God, then we have something greater to fear than anyone who could ever hurt or kill us. We have someone who could hurt, kill us, and, and ultimately judge us for our sins. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul uh, in hell. Now, the point that Jesus is trying to make is not necessarily one of fearing God in the, in the kind of, I'm going to cower and, and run away and hide, but to recognize that, that there is something greater at stake than your physical well-being. That, that for the disciples, there's something greater at stake than, than whether or not they are shamed or hurt, and that they cannot live a life that, that depends on those things. They cannot live a life that is, is determined by, by fear of, of people and what they can do. They're being called up, and we are being called up to, to fearing God, to trusting God, to having such an awe of God that, that we have no fear of people, no fear of those who, who would try to attack us. But he doesn't just speak in those stark terms. He also speaks to us 
gently. And if you look at verse 29 and following, he says this, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. He says, God is sovereign over all of these things. God is sovereign over the most minuscule and minute things. He cares for even the sparrow, even this small bird whose lifespan is, is short, whose, whose body is, is fragile, whose, whose destiny is really uncertain. He says, um, not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father. And he goes on, but even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. You see, when Adam and Eve were created in, in the Genesis account, especially if you've been reading along with us in our Bible reading plan, you see that, that there's this progression in creation. God creates light and darkness, and, and it separates light from darkness, and he creates all of these different things, the fish, the, the birds, the, the animals, and then as a, the apex, as the paramount moment of God's creation, he creates man and woman. And, and not to say that that creation isn't valuable, not to say that, that animals aren't, aren't precious and, and they're creatures to be appreciated because they're made by God. You and I, family, God, God values you because you've been made in the image of God. He cares about you because you've been made in his image. He loves and cherishes you because you are more valuable to him than, than the things in creation the other things in creation. He cares about you so much so that he can number the hairs on your head. However many or few that is, he knows many things about you. Jesus is saying there are details about your life that you don't even know. There are, there's minutia of your life that you don't even know that, that God is intimately aware of that he cares about. You know, he's, he's not speaking of a kind of um, encyclopedic knowledge that, that, that God has of just I know facts and figures, but the fact that he knows the number of hairs on your head speaks to his commitment to you, speaks to his devotion to you, not as one who worships you, but one who loves you. You know, when my, my children were all born, I'd, I'd look at them and I'd see their face and I'd notice things on their face that, that were unique about them. I'd, you, I'd, I'd notice when new things would happen, you know, a tooth comes in or you know, the hair comes in on the sides or it changes colors or it gets curly. I noticed things about my children, but it wasn't a sort of studying as though I was trying to inform a Wikipedia page. No, I, I wanted to know my children because I loved them. I cherished them. And here he says, even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. Even the hairs on your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore. God cherishes you, family. Fear not, therefore. We can overcome fear with an understanding of God's love for you. It's a deep love, and it is a sovereign love. Now, he does know the number of hairs on your head because he is a sovereign, omniscient God. He knows all things, and he's, he's omnipotent. He can, he can do all the things that he desires to do. And that's a God we can trust. In Romans chapter uh, 8, Paul goes into this, uh, this amazing description of God's love for us. And it's worth, worth hearing. He says in verse 31 and following, What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's, that's a rhetorical question. And the answer is no one can be against us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If he gave us his son, his most valuable thing, he's going to give us all the other things that we need in order to live a life of his purposes. 
Who shall bring, uh, um, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? And the answer is no one. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Again, no one. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And the answer is no one. Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or the sword? No. As it is written, for your sake we're being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But he says in verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Family, you and I are more than conquerors because a conqueror wins when he wins. A conqueror wins when he conquers. We win when we win and we win when we lose because God is working all things for our good. And he says, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Family, we are conquerors in Christ. We, are, we win when we win, we win when we lose. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Fear would try to creep in and lie to you and say, you might die and you might be separated from God. You might, you, the worst might happen to you. But if you're in Christ's family, the worst can never happen to you. In fact, the best is destined to happen to you. You are destined to be connected to the God of the universe who sacrificed his own son so that you might be redeemed to him and you might live a life eternally before him, a life filled with love and and worship and fulfillment and joy. We can overcome fear by understanding that God's love for you is dramatic. It is deep, is abiding. It It is all overcoming. God's love is invincible and God's love is for you. So family, as we reflect on the real heartbreak and challenges of our life, as we think about yesterday, I don't mean to, to bring into question that yesterday was a bad day. There were bad things that happened. Evil, wicked things that happened. Hurtful, painful things that happened. This is going to be a moment that we will have to recover from. Pastor Sean is going to have to recover from this. Pastor Sean's family is going to have to recover from this. Our church body is going to have to recover from this. But in the midst of this situation, God calls us to look to him to say, God, I have some real fears. I have some real concerns. I have some real um, misgivings, Lord. And to to entrust those things to him, to, to cast our cares on him to humble ourselves before the Lord, casting our cares on him through prayer and petition, pursuing the peace that comes from God as we, as we draw our hearts together and remember that, that God, he loves us, that he's sovereign over our circumstances and that he's called us to a life that, that looks to him and trusts him over against all of the things. He says, have no fear over them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden, that, is, that will not be known. Trust the Lord. Have an eternal perspective. Have a healthy awe of God. Have a helpful, a, a healthy understanding of his love for you. And remember 
that God has overcome all things in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that, that you were with us, that this has not caught you off guard. Lord, that, that you are not surprised by the wickedness in the world. And you are, not, you are not defeated by the wickedness in the world, but in fact, you defeated all these things on the cross. That, that you defeated Satan, sin, and death, and that you are establishing now your kingdom of righteousness. God, we thank you that Jesus is on the throne, that he is interceding on our behalf, that there is nothing that can separate us from, from his love. God, we thank you that, that your love is sovereign love, it, is, it, is, it overcomes all of our circumstances, that it is an omniscient love. It, you, you take into account all the things in our life. You know our weaknesses. You know our misgivings. You know our, our sins. You know all of these things, and yet you love us. God, we thank you that your love is, is powerful, that it's, it's an energizing love that allows us to live with courage, that allows us to, to live in, in our difficult and, and, and sometimes dangerous and, and concerning circumstances and say, I'm going to stand nonetheless. Nevertheless, I'm going to stand. God, I pray that you would help us to live lives that are focused on an eternal perspective, that are focused on an awe of who you are, and that are, fo- that are focused on, on how much you love us. If you've never put your trust in Jesus, if you've never considered the fact that, that you need to be reconciled to God, today would be a great day. Today would be a great day for you to trust in Jesus. If, if you've never considered the fact that there's an eternal perspective, that, that there's a beginning and there will be an end, I, 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 would, I would ask you to, to put your trust in Jesus Christ to take away the, the punishment for your sin and to reestablish your relationship with God so that you might live eternally before him and experience his love for you. If that's you, if you want to trust in Jesus, I'd love for you to pray with me. Pray this. God, I I want to turn away from everything I know to be sin and turn to you. I I turn away, I, I repent from those things. I repent of those things. I want to give those things up, everything I know to be sin, and I want to live a life that reflects the fact that you are my Lord, you are my God, you are my King. You are the one who decides my purpose and my destiny. I want to commit myself to you. If that's you, let me encourage you to reach out to someone in the chat. Let them know that you've, you've responded to God's call on your heart that you've trusted in Jesus and that you want to live this life out and we'd love to to help you do that. I love you, family. And I'm confident that God is working all things and that he's going to continue to work all things for our ultimate good and his glory. Well, as, as, as we move forward, we are still proceeding in faith and still believing that God wants to meet the needs of our congregation and meet the needs of our community. And so we have been collecting a benevolence offering that we've used to partner with Mobile Hope of Loudoun County to, to help those in our congregation and those in our community with, with real physical needs. And so I want to give you another opportunity today to take part in this offering so that you might be a blessing for those who, who haven't heard the gospel, who maybe need... Um, for whom this might be a bridge by which we can share the gospel. 
You can give three, three ways. You can give via check, write it to Grace Covenant Church and, and write uh, Sterling Benevolence in the memo. Or you can give on our website, gracecov.org slash sterling, and you can click the give button. Or finally, you can give through our mobile app that you can download in, in the app store. Let me pray. Lord God, I, take, I pray that you would bless this offering that, that we are giving that you would use it for your glory and the benefit of those along the Route 7 corridor, that your, your name might be made great and that people might experience the blessing of, of your son mediated through your people. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, family, I love you very much and I look forward to seeing you soon. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen.